the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit be with you all today. You know, I love that greeting because we focus on the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. How many of you this morning feel you need a bit of power? Yeah. Well, we're facing a new year. Happy New Year. I've always been intrigued by that greeting, by the way. Happy New Year. What does that mean, Happy New Year? I guess that means, well, I hope everything goes well. You don't have any problems. You don't have any challenges. You don't have anxiety. You don't have stress. You don't have trouble. Wait a minute. Is that the world we're talking about in which we live? I don't think so. Maybe instead of Happy New Year, go with God this year. Well, we always want to go with God, but yet we struggle in our lives to uh, bring him along in our journey. Yet, you know what? He's always there. He's always there. At this time of the year, we also are very good about maybe casting some New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose 25 pounds. Well, I hope so. Uh, I'm going to be kinder to my family. I'm going to uh, put a, you know, a good foot forward in terms of relationships with other people. I'm going to deal with my anger. I'm going to try to be more positive in my life. Whatever your resolution might be, go with God. We all need to go with God. You know, today, as we said, into a new year, we often face these very important questions of life. Why am I here? Where am I going? That's a struggle that so many people have today. Why am I here? Why am I going? Where am I going? And maybe thirdly, Does God really care? Well, these seem like sort of maybe odd questions as we celebrate the baptism of Jesus, but really they're not. Because God has an answer for you for all of those questions. Why am I here? Where am I going? And does God really care? He has an answer for you today. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. You're going to step forward in faith. And focus on the words and promises of God. And today I'd like to just very briefly take us to this point in our study of God's word today. We're going to look at Jesus' baptism. And then we're going to look at ours. By the way, how many of you remember the day of your baptism? There's got to be a hand or two here. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't really remember that day because I was too young. I was an infant. I was only about three weeks old. But I remember that day through my parents and their witness to me and also, of course, the affirmation of Christ and saving faith in me. That's, That's how I remember. But it all begins with Jesus' baptism. I don't know if any of you have been to the Jordan River. Have any of you been to the Jordan River? I don't know. Okay. 
Isn't it a wonderful, flowing, beautiful blue? See the bottom and the gravel and the rocks, isn't it? Like the Illinois River used to be. Well, of course, it isn't that gracious a place, really. Just kind of an ordinary river. Not majestically wide or beautiful. But we remember reading in Galatians where Paul the Apostle reminds us, in the, fullness of God, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. And now the fullness of time, we just celebrated Christmas, we now are at the beginning of the initiation of Jesus' public ministry, about 30 years of age. Up until this time, well, Jesus lived a pretty ordinary life, I assume. We don't know a whole lot about his uh, Years during those first 30, we know some things. Obedient to his parents, uh, certainly lived a life that uh, God had given him to live, his son. But now at the age of 30, something very special happens. It's life-changing. It's life-changing for Jesus. And in our baptism It is life-changing as well. In Matthew chapter 3, 13, the gospel reading for today, we read, Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized. Does that seem odd to you? The Son of God, the Savior of the world, why is he going to the Jordan River to be baptized? Is he sinful? Does he need his sins forgiven in some special miraculous way? Why is he going to the Jordan? In fact, John the Baptist, whose baptism, John's baptism was one what? That prepared the way for Jesus. It was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It was a baptism that looked forward to the one who was to come, the Messiah and the Savior. And John the Baptist was very passionate and committed used by God to open the hearts of people to make ready for the one who was to come. And now he arrives, the Jordan River. Wow. And he wants to be baptized by John. And what does John say? You know what he says. Oh, no. (laughs) No, you need to baptize me. John was confused. As so many people are confused when they're confronted with Christ in their everyday life. We lead pretty average, ordinary lives, and yet we're confronted by Jesus, and it's life-changing. John struggled with that moment in time for himself. And even later, when John was imprisoned, he sent some of his uh, followers to say, is is." Ask him, is he the Christ, is he the one to come, or should we look for another? I mean, it wasn't yet clear. But it was always clear to Jesus. John's response, well, Jesus said no. In fact, Jesus' response was this. I have come to fulfill all righteousness. This is where it begins. This is where it starts. In other words, what he was really saying, in my person, in my work, in what I do and what I will do and what I will accomplish, 
I will fulfill all God's righteousness, all God's justice, all God's demands for you. You see, everything Jesus did, he did for us. Everything. From his conception, his birth, his baptism, his sacrificial life, his innocent suffering, his death and resurrection. Wow. In three years. From the age of 30 to about 33, in those three years, Jesus accomplished for you and for me and for all the salvation of the world. I would say this is a pretty significant day. Jesus knew it. Of course, he was the God-man, Jesus. He wasn't baptized that his sins might be forgiven. He had no sin. But he was baptized for you and for me. And he initiated God's plan of salvation for the world. You see, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And we know that. It's nothing we can do for ourselves. We have to rely totally upon him for all that we have, all that we are. The Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does that mean? Well, it's I am totally wrapped up in Christ because I am under, surrounded, and around and with him and in him. His righteousness covers me. His goodness, his perfection covers my sin. I can stand before God and we can worship God today. We can say, man, this is wonderful. God, I don't fear you. I'm, I'm not afraid of you. My sin condemns me, yes, but you have won me and purchased me. And I can leave this house of worship today. I can leave this moment in time and advance into a new year knowing that you have taken care of all that needs to be taken care of in my life. Forgiven, cleansed, and new. In Jesus' baptism, he was set apart by God for this act and this ministry. In fact, we know it. We have it in this beautiful word from God. I, I love uh, the scriptures, especially, of course, there are certain significant verses and words that just come out and we remember them. And this is one of them. What does God the Father say of his son at the moment of his baptism? You're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Reminds us of John 3.16, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only beloved son. That makes everything new for you and me. The love of God manifested in the very presence of the Savior, his perfection, and his sacrificial death and triumphant resurrection. God the Father says, this is my beloved Son. And then also at the moment of his baptism, we have the descending of the Spirit in the form of a dove coming upon him. And the Scripture says, touched him. Set him apart. As his mission, as his saving mission to the world. 
life-changing call, wouldn't you say, for Jesus? I got to tell you a little story. Back when I was uh, 14, now that's a long time ago, uh, what usually happens in our Lutheran church at about the age of 14, what happens? Confirmation, right. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Bill is ready to go today. I'm ready to work on him. I don't, Pastor Chris, I just don't, it's him, you know, I can't help it. It's just Bill. But at the age of 14, I remember, and I don't know if this was purposely done. I'm sure it wasn't purposely done, but uh, we went up to the altar. In those days, uh, went up to the altar, and we kneeled, and the pastor, you know, had a blessing and, and, a, and a scripture verse, as you remember, in baptism. And I had a flat top in those days. Any of you remember what a flat? I don't have any hair hardly at all today. And by the way, my barber told me when I was a kid, he said, if you get a flat top, you will always have a big thick head of hair, just like that guy there. Well, guess what? It's gone. Not had a flat top. You know how those were smooth? And the pastor put the hand, he put his hand over me, and he, I'm sure accidentally, touched my head. I had that flat top. And static electricity grabbed me because he had, he had shuffled on the, you know, the carpet. Spark! Whoa! Well, I look back on that, and I, for me, that was something special, I guess, just for me, personally, as I received that spark, I guess. Kind of an affirmation, because confirmation is really an affirmation of what God, what, did for me in my baptism, right? It's me saying yes to God, but what you started in me, God, what you started and what you created in me. Now, did I understand all that at the age of 14? Heavens, no, I didn't. I just knew that I had a lot of envelopes and cards to open when I got home. (laughs) I had no, I wasn't conscious of all that God had for me, just as you were not either. But God had plans for you. And you're here today with those who you love, within this congregation because God had plans for you. It was life-changing, and it still is. For Jesus, the way of the cross. The Apostle Peter in Acts 10 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. God set his son apart. True God, true man. Spirit of God, power of God, and the ultimate victory of God in this world. I was listening to Christian radio the other day, and the announcer was saying, you know, in my best days, God is with me. In my worst days, God is with me too. True? True. Yeah. No matter the ups and valleys, we we don't live in the mountaintops all of our life, do we? I'd like to meet somebody who's always there. Man, everything's wonderful. Everything's good. Everything's sensational. I can't have a, oh, I'm just, I'm on fire because everything. I've never had an incident in my life that's ever brought any kind of discouragement or tears. I'd like to meet somebody like that. 
We have moments. God is there. And we have moments that are not like that. And God is there too. A life-changing mission for Christ. In Romans 5 we read, Sin has reigned unto death. What does that mean? Well, that means because we're sinful, what? We're, we're, we're lost in, in our sin. I mean, we're, we're, we're not what we should be. And this body that we live in, this, this body that we have, continues to uh, deteriorate, right, to death. That's why we all someday will die physically. I was reading in the, on my uh, iPad. Hey, I'm getting... I'm getting into this world. iPad the other day. And the oldest person in the state of Iowa died this past week. The oldest person living in the state of Iowa. That's where I'm from. That's why I read this thing. How old do you think she was? 112. 112. Now, I'm not saying she would have been like Moses, who was 120, whose eyesight was wonderful, whose mind was sharp. No, no. The aging of her body takes us down. But the aging of our body is not the winner. It's really the loser. Because grace abounds more than sin. Sin rages like a roaring lion. Grace conquers. Grace wins. Grace has reigned through the righteousness, Christ's righteousness, unto eternal life. We're on track. This is a new year, and you're on track. Did you know you're on track? You are. God's got you on track. You may not know it. You may think, I'm on the wrong track. God says, I'm going to keep you on my track, and that's what he wants to do. Jesus was baptized, was set apart by God to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? To take care of you. God's going to, he's taking care of us in Christ. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Hey, world, bring it on. I'm in a point in my life where somebody says to me, you know, they bring out some horrible thing that somebody said, whether it's in politics, whether it's in government, whether it's in the world generally, I say what? It doesn't surprise me. This world is not going to get any better. Oh, man, we're looking forward to, you know, a wonderful peace on earth. In other words, everybody getting along, everything happening well, no greed, no violence, no hatred, love, love, love. Well, it's wonderful to think of, but there's only one place that that's a reality, and that's heaven. But God has you on track, and that's, that moves us into our baptism, doesn't it? Jesus said in the last chapter of Matthew to the disciples, to the church, go into the world, go into all the world, make disciples. In other words, literally, this will make disciples. People who will literally set at the feet of Jesus in faith and in trust, Make disciples of all nations, what? By baptizing them, applying water in the name of God, God's hand 
God's hand over us and in us. Paul says it in Romans 6, we literally put on Christ. I don't know, in the morning when you get up, you take a shower? Well, you don't have to answer that question. If you take a shower, yeah, I do. Um, I feel clean, I feel good, I feel refreshed, I'm, I'm ready to go. That's what God has made possible for each and every one of us here today. Ready to go. Cleansed in the saving blood of the Son, Jesus. Oh, look at ourselves. God puts his name upon us. Baptism is one of these, those uh, special means of grace that we call means of grace. Means of what? Bringing us the love and the forgiveness of, of God in our lives and hearts. A means of grace. The word, the sacraments, Holy Communion today. Means of bringing us the assurances of love and forgiveness. And that's what we've had. If we've been blessed to have or be baptized. That's why we do it. It's not just a thing the church does. It's a thing that God asks of us to receive. And it's totally God. That's, that's a miracle of a thing, isn't it? I got to get ready for baptism. My child can't understand. I, I, you know, we got we to gotta somehow infuse him with some thought and knowledge and God says, I love you so much, I'm just, I'm, t- I'm taking you. I'm taking you as right now, taking you to myself and claiming you as my own. I like to think of baptism. Our baptism is the spark of faith get, gets the fire of faith going. You know what I mean by that? Because what does Jesus say? Baptize and What? Teach. What? Get into the Word. The Spirit's going to enable that to happen, by the way. The Spirit's going to open your heart and your mind. Yeah, you're going to realize, wow. You're going to realize who God is and what He's done for you. The fire of faith needs to burn, needs to grow, needs to blaze. Because we're fighting against not just flesh and blood in this world, our battle against evil, Satan and all the evil hosts and so on and so forth, is not just against human beings, right? Peter talks about that. Ah, this, this is about powers and principalities of darkness. This is great evil has come and will come to afflict the earth. But God's people will prevail. Set apart by God, life-changing. We're here to do his work. We heard about his work this morning from our speaker. talked about uh, the mission across the road. We're here to do God's work, set apart for him. We belong to him. We sometimes think uh, we don't have a big responsibility in that way, but we do. We've been bought with a price, the price of the Son of God, His blood on the cross through death. God so loved the world, He so loved you. Christ's baptism initiated His public ministry, set Him apart. 
to fulfill all righteousness, to take away your sin and mine and the sin of the whole world and open up the way to heaven as our home. Our baptism brings us into the family of God, sets us apart, life-changing to do his work too and to live under his grace, love, and forgiveness. You know, I heard a story a couple weeks ago um, really sort of struck me. It goes like this. Uh, there was a, uh, a family that was visiting in Washington, D.C. And they had some little children. They had a little boy who was, uh, I think he was, well, he was very young. He was probably about five, something like that. And they were visiting and they were touring the monuments in D.C. And if you've ever been there, you know, that's really... I remember the first time I came up over the rise in this bus I was in. And wow, I saw all these monuments. Whoa, overwhelming. Anyway, the uh, park ranger uh, was showing them around. And they were looking at the Washington Memorial. You know, that's that one obelisk, that, you know, real tall one. Got a little red light. My goodness, I'm losing my stone. Uh, red light on the top of the... Uh, tower. And this little boy said to this park ranger, he said, I want to buy that. And the park ranger responded, he said, well, you can't. And he gave him three reasons. He said, number one, it's not for sale. Number two, you would never have enough money to buy it. And number three, it's already yours. Think about it. That's God's grace. That's God's gift. That's the forgiveness of our sins and the sure and certain hope of heaven. It's not for sale. You can't earn it or get it somehow on your own. It's yours because of the Son of God and the Savior of the world. What a blessing we have and what treasure we all share. In this new year, may God enable us to live out and under that treasure that gift of forgiveness and love as we receive it for ourselves and share it with others. It's going to be a life-changing year. May God be with you because he is. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.